everyone. Welcome back to the Learning to Sit Still podcast. I am excited about our episode today because we have a very special guest and an amazing topic. But before we get started, I want to point out a few things. First, we are officially in the season of fall. And for the first time in a long time, it actually feels like fall. I have so enjoyed leaving the windows open and letting that crisp breeze flow through my stuffy house. While my favorite season is still spring, fall probably comes in at a close second. Now, you all know I enjoy my little bits of trivia, and I found out today, September 23rd, is known as National Energize Day. Yep, that's right, a day that always falls after the autumn equinox. Now, I was curious about this, so I found out a little more about this unique day. The goal is to provide an opportunity for you to simply relax and renew after the busyness of summer. And even though our summer was very different than what we normally would have done, there is still a lot of fear and anxiety over the coming months. So since my podcast usually goes live on Wednesday, and it was National Energize Day, I reached out to my friend Sarah Geringer, who I met on Instagram. I noticed right away that Sarah's focus was on meditation, and that intrigued me because it was not something that is talked about often in churches, but it is mentioned numerous times in scripture. I was so grateful when Sarah said yes to be on my podcast. Now, Sarah is a speaker, artist, and author of Transforming Your Thought Life, Christian Meditation in Focus, and she has self-published three books. She is currently writing a teen girl version of Transforming Your Thought Life, set to be published in fall 2021. She is on the devotional writing teams for Proverbs 31 Ministries, A Wife Like Me, Devotable, Hopeful Living, Kingdom Edge Magazine, and Women to Women Ministries. When she's not reading over 100 books per year, Sarah enjoys painting, baking, gardening, and playing the flute. Her daily must-haves are hot tea, dark chocolate, and fresh flowers. She lives in Southeast Missouri with her husband and three children. Sarah writes about finding peace in God's word. I know that you will be blessed by our conversation. And if you can't take notes because you're driving, I encourage you to listen again when you're able to, because you will learn so much in this episode. So without further delay, here is my conversation with Sarah. Hi, Sarah. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm so glad to be here with a fellow Sarah today. <laughs> I know. It's so exciting. I don't ever get to interview somebody that spells it the exact same way as I do. You know, mm-hmm. people ask, is that with an H or without? And I always say, it's the proper way with an H. Yeah. <laughs> I got you, but I, I love several SARAs in my life. So we're sisters no matter what. This is true. This is true. So um, tell us a little bit about yourself, Sarah. Well, I am a Christian author and speaker and blogger, and I'm also a fifth generation resident of Southeast Missouri, and I, um, ha- I'm married to my husband, uh, we'll be celebrating 20 years in November, and I have three children ages 16, 14, and 12, and um, I also have a faithful companion, my uh, lab and he's actually 130 pounds. He's not a small dog, but uh, he, my, I love it that um, his world revolves around me. Um, as a mom of teens, I think that's kind of nice um, comfort. <laughs> your teens are pulling away from you. You got your dog that worships you. So, 
And we also have a cat. Yeah. Now I connect with the cat. I have a, a year and a half old cat. So we rescued her when she was six weeks old. We found her abandoned at a church and my mom gave her tuna and that was it. We She was just ours after that. So we've adored her. Um, she's usually pretty good about leaving, uh, leaving me alone. She doesn't usually mess. So hopefully I won't have any interruptions on my end. But so I remember meeting you kind of for the first time on Instagram. I think we commented on a post and just kind of decided to follow one another. And I remember mm -hmm. being intrigued um, with the idea of meditation because mm -hmm. it is something that is, it is not talked about in churches very often. We, you know, and this is not meant to be unkind. It's just, we kind of gloss over it or we kind of talk about it, you know, briefly, but in all actuality, that is a very popular word, if you want to put it that way, or very used word in scripture. I mean, it is, you see it in Psalms. And I remember hearing a uh, preacher talk about meditating on God's word, and that's how you have good success. I mean, it is talked about, you know, prominently in scripture. And so I think when I, when I saw that that was kind of your highlight, that was your thing that you liked to unpack, I was just hooked. I was like, this is a lady who understands the importance of it. And I was not introduced to it until I went to college. I went to a, I got my associates at a secular university and then I transferred into a Christian university. And so they offered Christian classes and there was one on spiritual disciplines. And I thought, okay, well, this is a good extra credit class. I can kind of get maybe an easy A. I fought for it a little bit, but you know, I did manage to get an A in that class. And I remember he talked about that. The teacher brought up, you know, meditation. He made the comment. We don't talk about it. And I was, for the first time, I really thought about it more in depth. He made us practice it a little bit. And um, it was, it was a new experience. So I would just, I really want to unpack this today. And can we maybe talk about how you got started with it? You know, did someone introduce it to you or did it come to you on your own? Well, um, I grew up Lutheran and Lutherans take their Bibles very seriously. And so when I was in seventh and eighth grade, uh, we were preparing for confirmation, um, just a rite that Lutherans and other um, uh, denominations go through, kind of a confirmation of faith. And we were required to memorize over a hundred Bible verses before uh, confirmation. And so, um, you know, I was a very spiritually minded kid. Uh, so I'm not saying I took every single one of those verses literally and meditated on it for hours or anything, but a lot of those verses stuck in my heart and mind because I had to practice them over and over to memorize them and recite them to the teacher for my religion grade. So I think that probably started back in those years. Um, mem memorization and meditation actually go very well together. Um, but when I really started meditating on God's word was in uh, 2003, I bought a one-year Bible. Um, the one-year Bible is a format and it divides daily readings into Old Testament, New Testament, Psalms, and Proverbs. There's many different versions out there. And, uh, I had kind of a secret sense of shame, I think, in terms of being a Christian all my life, having gone to a Christian private school and then also a Christian private college and never having read through the entire Bible cover to cover before. 
And I just thought that would be a good time to do it. So I started reading a portion of scripture every single day. And the editors of that particular version uh, that was published around that time decided to put a certain verse of that reading in bold. They just picked one that they thought would be the most, um, you know, educational or encouraging. And sometimes it was a proverb. Sometimes it was from the gospel. Sometimes it was from the old Testament. You know, it didn't matter. But what I would do is I would take that verse that was in bold and I would kind of consider it my assignment to think about throughout the day. And as I started doing that, it's, it began transforming my thoughts and I realized that I had a completely wrong understanding of the way God saw me, the way that I saw myself, and a, a very, uh, a disparity between those things and what people had said or told me all my life. So uh, it really began changing me from the inside out. It healed me. It, it started me on my path toward um, healing after uh, being emotionally abused. And um, so it became a lifeline for me. You know, every day I would get up and I would look forward to see, well, which, which scripture is in bold and how is God going to speak to me through that? And then, uh, you know, year after year, I kept using that Bible and I thought what was amazing about it was even though I was rereading the same exact patch passages and I came to expect certain um, parts of the Bible at certain times of year, like Genesis is in January. Um, my favorite book of the Bible is Isaiah and they cover that in September, you know, and so I thought, oh, if I keep repeating this, I'll just get bored with it or it'll just seem like going through the motions. And it was amazing how the Holy Spirit still worked and spoke to me every year I read it because I was in a different place. God hadn't changed. His word hadn't changed, but I was growing and changing. I, I became a mother. Um, I became more active at my church through Bible studies. And so it started speaking to me in different ways, in different situations. And um, I think that is when I finally uh, learned the power of God's word. I knew it. I knew it in my head uh, growing up, like I said, um, and I respected it, but I didn't make it personally applicable until I started meditating on it every single day. So that, that is kind of how that practice developed in me, in my personal life. Wow, Sarah. I think honestly, we could just wrap up the podcast now and be done. It was just, that's just so good. It's so good. And I, I just kind of want to highlight a couple of things. Cause I was, before you mentioned, I was kind of thinking, I, I would agree that I think meditation and memorization go hand in hand. Um, mm -hmm. I really like that idea because when you, um, when you read the scriptures, it does talk about hiding God's word in our hearts. And, and this is just kind of a little side note, but I, I remember someone making the point that God doesn't really emphasize, you know, memorizing scripture in our mind. He emphasizes it in the heart. 
And I remember someone saying, because the heart is who you are, your mind, you know, the Bible talks about it's the mind is just really expressing what's already in the heart. And I think that's why God wants us to memorize it in our heart, because that's where it makes the biggest difference. And I just loved how you talked about that, you know, the transformation took place. It takes place because we are taking God's word and it is no longer on, on the screen or on a, on a sheet of paper. It has been internalized. And I remember talking with a friend one time and, and commenting and said, uh, it's amazing when I read my Bible over and over again, there's always something new. And they said, well, that's because it's a living book. And that was a profound to me. I was like, I, I guess, you know, you kind of know it, but it was like, yes, that's true because it, it grows with you in the sense that you are in a different season and those things mean more, or you have matured and now you're adding to your knowledge. And I think when you take the time to sit there and chew on God's word, and then you memorize it and you continue to meditate on it, it is such a valuable tool. And um, so I guess I kind of want to know from you, what does the Bible say about meditation? Because we know there's a lot of verses in there, but what does it really say about that? So my editor helped explain this because I'm not a student of Greek or Hebrew, but my editor is a very um, smart man. And so he said, I want you to introduce the two main words uh, for meditation in the first chapter of your book. So one of them is Haga, and it's actually a picture used in Isaiah. Um, Isaiah talks about it as like a lion growling over its prey. So it's kind of a repetitious um, focus on a certain thing. And the other word is siak, and... Um, that is more in the way, again, it's more of a contemplating in a deep way. So um, when you, if you think about those terms, repetitive and focused, contemplative, um, intentional, then it takes that mystery out, really. Um, it's, it's just slowing down and focusing on something. Now, my pastor, um, he has said in many of his sermons recently that in our very fast-paced culture, that focus is a superpower. And if you can train yourself to focus on something, you will be a cut above everybody else because everybody else is just rushing around putting out fires as they come at them. But if you can take the time to slow down, focus, pray, meditate, study God's word, it will uh, align everything else in your life. So depending on your translation of your Bible, um, the, the word either haga or siak is used about 20 times. So most of the time that it's used, it's uh, the, the object of meditation is God's word. It's um, God's precepts, God's laws, God's um, statutes, God's commands. So the focus of Christian meditation is scripture. It's not 
necessarily the words you read even by a Christian author like myself or your pastor or um, some meme that you see on social media. It is literally the living word of God that you're meditating on uh, because that is what has the power to transform your heart and mind because it's God's own word, his own words from his own heart and mind speaking to you. That's why it's so powerful. And that's what makes it so different from worldly meditation. I just, I love it. I love it. Um, I'm going to have a hard time letting you go because I'm just going to enjoy this all day. But you know, um, for me, you know, I kind of catch this because the premise of my website and, um, you know, I have a magazine and the, the podcast that, you know, people are listening to right now, it's called learning to sit still or sit still my daughter. The idea behind that is the simple practice of being still. That is a lost art. We don't know how to be still. That's why God calls us be still and know him. We cannot know him unless we are still. And that requires us to be in the quiet place because that's when you let go of all the distractions. Our world is built on a fast paced track. You eat breakfast on the go. You get your stuff from the fast food place. You are on the go. You're constantly on your phone, constantly answering emails, text messages. You're connected, but we are disconnected from a lot of the things that are important. We are so attached to these things. And I think, you know, how many times we're, we're even ignoring our family, which we won't go into that realm, but, you know, we could, we could talk about that. But I think that's kind of partly your point is that, we're not taking that time to focus on what's important. We are not taking that. We are getting wrapped up in the busyness of life, but God calls us to be still, to meditate, to memorize. And I think that's really just an important part. Now, I do want to get into this. Um, what is the difference between Christian meditation and meditation? Because these things, you know, if you're a normal person, when you think of meditation, you think of a Buddha. I mean, that's just what yes. you think of, unless you mm -hmm. watch maybe like the Lion King and you think of Rafiki sitting there with his staff or, you know, holding his fingers. That's what you think. But I don't, and I'm going to, I know that's not what you mean. And that's not what meditation is. So can you describe kind of what's the difference between the two? I think the main difference from what I understand is that worldly meditation is asking you to empty yourself and sit in some silent space. And I think it's no wonder that people are afraid to sit still if they think they have to empty themselves and that nobody wants to feel empty. I think we already feel empty because we're rushing around. The difference between Christian meditation is you're filling your mind. You're filling it with God's word. You, you are in a sense, emptying yourself but it's to be filled it's not to sit there empty waiting for some impulse inside yourself to enlighten truth or to listen to your heart you know that's not what it's about it's about um it's about filling yourself with the timeless unchanging truths that are in god's word and then using that as a springboard to have conversation with God. It's, it's, a, it's a doorway that opens up communion with God. Mm, I love that. I love that. And I think 
sometimes even with the prayer, that's the mystery of it. We're not sure how to get to that point uh, because we know it's important, but how do we open that gateway? And I think that's a great point. So for you, what would you say are kind of the, the main benefits of meditation? Well, the first chapter of my book, I talk about all the different benefits. Um, there are spiritual benefits, physical, social, emotional, um, all different kinds. Uh, what I feel like is most important to me is, um, you know, Jesus said, if you love me, obey my commands. So what he's saying is, if you want to break that down, he's saying that people who love him, who truly love him and know him, know his commands enough, well enough to obey them. You know, you don't, if you don't know a law, you don't know whether to obey it or not. If you didn't know that it was the law to wear your seatbelt or stop at a stop sign, you probably wouldn't do it. So Christian meditation allows you to learn what God's word has to say about the kind of life he wants you to live, the kind of things he wants you to avoid to have the best life possible, the kinds of things he wants you to do to live in such a way that reflects Christ to the people around you. So going again, returning back to that, if you love me, obey my commands. So what has happened to me personally in my own life, really starting, like I said, in 2003, when I started with that one year Bible, is the more I learned God's commands and learned his character through the study of his word, the deep reflective study of his word, then I wanted to obey him. It didn't become a sense of obligation, but a sense of wanting, a desire to do so. And once that happened, that's when the love relationship really flourished between God and I. So people are very intrigued about prayer. How do you connect with God? How do you have this spiritual experience? I mean, Jesus doesn't sugarcoat it. He's not even mysterious about it. He says, if you love me, obey my commandments. And the best way to learn the commandments, I'm not talking about the 10 commandments back in the Old Testament. I'm talking about all of them. His code of living is to start meditating on God's character, Jesus' example, the examples of many godly men and women in the Bible, the examples of ungodly people in the Bible. You meditate on all that, you will start learning the kind of life that God wants you to live, and you get the extreme bonus of having a deeper, more meaningful, loving relationship with your Lord. So good. So good. This is just so rich. And I think I'm hoping that people will, will benefit from this. They need this in their life. We all do. And uh, so I kind of, because this is, if I was listening to this podcast, I, my question probably would be, well, where do I begin? You know, can you kind of walk us through a meditation? I, I'm going to say there's probably not a time limit. You can, it doesn't, there's no length to that, but kind of in your mind, what is the process? What does it kind of look like? And how would you be give some, some tips on that? Okay, sure. 
So really, it only takes about five minutes a day or less. So I don't want anyone to feel intimidated by this process. So the way that I think is wise to do it is um, pick the time of day that is the quietest for you. Maybe that is your commute to work. For a lot of people that is. Uh, maybe it's lunch hour. Maybe it is, you know, getting up before everybody in the house and doing this before your day starts. Maybe it's during your jog. You know, it, you pick that time when it's you and your thoughts and God. That's, that's the best time to do it. And then you need to pray first. And one of the Holy Spirit's main roles is to enlighten us to the truths in his word. So ask, ask, pray to the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, as I sit down and read this today, teach me what you want me to learn. Enlighten me to what, what I'm supposed to understand from this reading. Then you read your verse, and I recommend repeating it at least three times, again, because we have this attention deficit <laughs> in, our, in our culture. So that helps slow you down if you repeat it. Um, I like to say it aloud three different times and say it different emphasis. Like Nehemiah 8.10 is the joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. So see, you're, you're starting to break apart the concepts by doing that. Um, another thing I recommend is just simply writing it out. Um, you have a 40% better chance, studies show, of remembering something when you write it down with pen and pencil, pen, pencil and paper, whatever you prefer, than you do simply reading it or even hearing it out loud. So writing things down is the very best way to actually memorize it. And then since most of us are visual learners, I think 80% or so of us are visual learners, when you write it, write it on a three by five card, write it on a sticky note, write it in your planner, whatever works for you, and then post it so that you can see it throughout the day. And so then you're in taking it in little bitty portions throughout the day, you're kind of sipping on it. Um, because God's word is very rich. It's like, you know, many of us enjoy cheesecake, okay? You can scarf down a piece of cheesecake, but that you're losing the experience of it. It's really better to eat cheesecake little bite at a time and just savor that richness of flavor and fat, that yummy fat <laughs> we all like to eat, and just take your time with it. You enjoy it much more. Or if you're not a sweets person, think about the best steak you've ever had in your life, you know? Um, you, you just don't want to scarf down filet mignon, you know, you want to enjoy it. Um, so if you just take tiny bites of it throughout the day, that's where it really starts becoming a part of your heart and mind. And as you can imagine, so that first part, praying, reading through it, saying it, um, maybe writing it out literally only takes five minutes if it's one verse. And then you can also pray afterward. You can do this throughout the day. You can say, you know, God, 
what does this teach me about you? What, what does this teach me about your character? You know, what does it teach me about me? The kind of life that you want me to live, the kind of situation you want me to apply this to right now, it, the, the relationship I need to use this verse in, you know? And then what does it tell me about my general attitude toward people? You know, you can use any verse of the Bible for this application. Um, I mean, I've even used it in verses from Leviticus. So um, it literally, there's something in every portion of God's word that's worth thinking about in a deep, thoughtful, contemplative manner. And like I said, it doesn't take that much time. If you kind of develop a little system like that, you'll get a lot more out of it over time than just breezing through. You're just sitting down, reading through a Bible passage, being distracted the whole time, and not getting very much out of it. So that's the difference. You're just going a little bit deeper on one single verse or one little passage. Okay, so I, I love what you said, and I kind of want to recap just a smidge because I think, you know, I want to understand that I got it. Um, so what you're saying is you kind of take your quiet time that you've already maybe like some people plan out like I do, I have a plan that I follow usually every year. I'm not just, I don't, I don't operate with the random, just open the Bible to wherever I, I tend to have a plan or a structure. So say if someone has that plan, you're not saying they have to find a specific verse somewhere on meditation or just a verse maybe they they're wanting. But what you're saying is from your designated reading, you are asking, you know, pick a verse that you kind of have read and you found that one, that one might apply to me. So your essence is you kind of pray, are you praying that verse? Then you're kind of reading over it again and then you're meditating on it. And then maybe at the end, you kind of wrap up with some questions like relating to you and God's relationship. Is that kind of what I understood? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you can journal it out or you can just make it just a silent prayer to him. Like I said, if you're on a jog or you're driving, that doesn't make a lot of sense. But if you, before you get into your car, you put it on a sticky note, you can put it on your dash and glance over at, at a stoplight or something. You know, if you're on your job, just look at it several times before you go. And then you're going to ask yourself those questions as you're running. You know what I mean? So you can adapt it for whatever use. Um, for me, one thing I do is I display verses in my kitchen windowsill. So I look at them when I'm washing dishes, when I'm cooking dinner. You know, um, I know people that put them on their bathroom mirrors. So um, whatever you, whatever place that you know, you're going to have time to engage even for 30 seconds on something would be a really good way to do that. And I mean, uh, your work desk, for those of you who work outside the home, is an ideal place to do that, to put it by your keyboard or up on your computer screen. Um, I cannot tell you how many times that helped me hold my tongue or guard my thoughts when I was working outside the home. Uh, it, it was, uh, you know, a, a guardrail for me when I was tempted to do or say things that I shouldn't. So, yeah, it can be very, very practical. It's amazing how once people start meditating, they realize just how practical it is. Yes, I agree with that. I agree. Now, here's, here's my question. Because I, I have spoken to people 
I tend to be, for me, I like to start my day with reading God's word and prayer. That's how I like to start my day. But I know that some people that have the littles and they're trying to get out the door and they have a busy schedule, they may not have time. So in your mind, I'm just curious, do you, do you think it is best for us to at least grab a small portion of scripture in the morning to chew on all day? Or for those who maybe prefer it at night, do, do you think there's a way that they could kind of pull that verse and they're prepared to meditate on the next day. They've already set their plate. Like this is the verse I read from my quiet time at night. And then I can take that verse and begin to meditate it on for the full coming day and then pick a new verse and kind of start that cycle in the evenings. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I'm a morning person. So that's just the way that my brain operates. Okay. But I um, saw this, um, I listened to this miniature course on LinkedIn, okay, secular website, right? And it was talking about the six uh, most powerful habits that, you know, uh, Olympic athletes, CEOs, um, you know, the powerful, ultra successful business people use uh, to, you know, manage their days. And even in this secular broadcast, they were talking about having a quiet time as soon as you get up. Whenever that is, it sets the tone for the day. And I will have to say from a Christian perspective, um, the days that I begin with God's word, always without question, go more smoothly when I start with it as compared to the ones where I cram it in later. Okay. Now that I'm not trying to stir up guilt in anyone. I'm just laying out a general principle. Okay. I think, and this is a secondary thread that runs through every single chapter of my book. We're in a spiritual battle every single day. Most of us don't pay attention to that. We don't acknowledge it. Okay. But our mind is the main battlefield where Satan wants to go to war with us. And he knows that if he can win the battle in our minds, it is more than half won. Basically, then all he has to sit back and do is watch us fulfill the sinful desires that we've already kind of decided or justified or rationalized in our mind. So what I have realized, um, <laughs> like, I'll just give you a, a very specific example. There's a verse in, I believe it's Psalms or Proverbs. It says, put a guard at my lips. That's, I mean, that's really short. Put a guard at my lips. So the day that I start with a verse like that, you better be believing that every time I'm tempted to say something, the Holy Spirit's saying, uh-uh, you know, the days that I didn't start with that verse, that's when I say things that I regret. You know, that is literally how powerful it is. If you, what I do with my children, okay, 16, 14, and 12, some mornings I work from home so I can be there for them in the mornings before they either drive to school or get on the bus. Some mornings we only have time for one verse. I literally just read a Bible verse to them. 
Some mornings we have time for a three-minute devotion or a five-minute devotion. That's even better. But I try, you know, six out of seven days to at least give them a verse to start their day. Now, whether they do anything with it, I don't know. I'm not in control. But I know that I'm accountable to God for what I do as their mom. And I also know that just as God's word is a guardrail for me, for my thoughts and actions, it's going to be a guardrail for them when they're out and about doing their thing, you know? So um, I just know, I remember when I was working outside the home and it would be a morning that maybe I overslept and then I was rushing around to get out the door and then the rest of the day was just chaotic and I'd get to lunch and I would just take a 15 minute quiet lunch and I'd be like, why is this day going? I mean, it's just, everything has just gone awry, you know, it's everything. And then it would dawn on me. I'm like, oh my gosh, I forgot. I forgot to have my quiet time. <laughs> like that was it. Then everything kind of made sense. And so then instead of beating myself up, which is my tendency as a type A Enneagram one, okay. I'd be like, you know what? We're not going to go back to this morning. We're going to start over right now. So I'd get my Bible out, read it. Sometimes it was a devotional that I had with me during my lunch break that had a Bible verse in it, you know? So then I'd, I'd redo it then. And like the rest of the day would go so much better. And I know I'm certain it was because the word of God puts a shield over our minds. And, you know, when that shield's not there, as, as believers in Christ, we can't, we cannot be inhabited by an evil spirit, but Satan can still poke us and mess with us. And that's what he does when the word is not guarding our hearts and minds, like Ephesians 6 tells us about spiritual armor. And God's word is one of those pieces of the spiritual armor. So we do ourselves a favor by starting our day with it even if it literally is only 30 seconds that you have to spare while you're brushing your teeth. I don't know. I don't know many people that don't leave the house without brushing their teeth. So if that's the only time you can do it, put a sticky note on your bathroom mirror and meditate on God's word while you're doing that. See, I, I agree with you really 100%. I know there, and again, I'm kind of like, you. I'm not going to bash anybody. I know you, you, you may have struggles, but we do make time for the things that are important. And, you know, certain things we know, like there's a t TV show or we want to read a book or we want to go to an event, we will rearrange our schedule to compensate for that. And I think if it's important, you will make time for it. You will get up a little earlier if you have to. I mean, for me, I get up at five every day because I have to leave the house to get to my job by 6.30. I get up early simply because I know I want to have my quiet time. I want sufficient time to spend with God. I don't want to feel rushed. That's, that's it because it's important to me. And I believe in my heart that the morning, it's the start of your day. And I have always felt that if you wait until the end of the day, the battle's already done. You haven't equipped yourself. You must, the battles will come, like you said, they're going to come during the day and your day is going to go sour and you have nothing to glean from. You have nothing to, to dip into a reserve saying, I can't draw anything out because I didn't fill it up this morning. It's like trying to drive to work with your car and it's got no gas and you're trying to get somewhere and then you're frustrated because you can't get anywhere but you, because you didn't fill up. 
And I think that's the principle. And you really, when you begin to read your Bible over and over, you will find those people got up in the morning. You know, Joshua rose early. Jesus set the example before he ever poured himself out to the crowds. He got up early. He went to a quiet place. He was God, but he also rejuvenated his soul and connected with his God, with his father in the morning. And so I know those people like, but I'm not a morning person. I'm like, I, I get that. I know, but God is important. And if I, like I said, I think what you said as a Christian, that's how you start your day. It is paramount. And I think like you pointed out, your day will go better if you do, because I would think, well, I'm busy. Maybe your day would go smoother if you did begin. And like you said too, it's not like you have to do an hour, but at least make God a priority because, and this is something else I always think about. God asks us to give tithe, not off of the leftovers. He asks for tithe off of the top. And for me, does he not deserve the beginning of my day? Not, not the scraps that are left over. He is important enough that I should give him the beginning, that tithe of my day, that beginning part belongs to him. And that's just kind of been my principle for years. I kind of developed that as a teenager and it just, I made time for it, it was important. So I love that you shared that kind of view and, and that principle. And again, like you said, it doesn't have to be an hour. You can, you can just, but make it a priority to spend some time with him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think if people, if, if I ask somebody, if, if there was something that you knew you could do that would take less than 10 minutes a day was guaranteed to bring you greater peace, you don't have to take a pill, you don't have to pay any money, you don't have to do anything except sit, be still, and read, would you do it? That's really, that's all that's required of you. And if, if you think about it in those terms, you know, it's going to be hard at first, just like any new habit is difficult in the beginning, but it, the rewards in terms of giving you peace, the perfect peace that passes all understanding. Jesus told us that he gives us the kind of peace that the world can't give us. To tap into that kind of peace, you have to sit still with God. There's just no other way to find it. But I think everybody I know is seeking peace. And it really is within our grasps if we are going to submit to God's way of giving it to us. Yes, yes, I, I agree 100% with that. And so kind of as we're winding down a little bit, what, I mean, we've kind of touched on it a little bit. I didn't know if you wanted to add any more, but what kind of tips would you give to those who struggle to do meditation because they have little, little kids? Because, you know, I, I've, I don't have children on my own, but I have seen the conversations that moms have that you can't even get to the bathroom without the kids demanding and knocking on the door. And so kind of how do you, how would you recommend and give a tip for those? Okay, this is kind of a parenting tip and meditation tip. Um, so when my children were young, I mandated a afternoon quiet time. And I told them it was for mommy as well as them. So um, I said, you have to stay in your room for an hour. 
this is when, this is before they were in school, you know, so toddlers and pre-K, right? You have to stay in your room for an hour. You can play with your toys quietly. You can read books. You can do whatever you want, but you have to stay in your room for an hour. And it's just a rest. You don't have to take a nap. Because as soon as I told them they didn't have to take a nap, then they would take a nap, you know? So, um, but I said, it's, it's for mom too. And so during that season, when my kids were four, two, and newborn, or five, three, and one, I had to do that. I had to use afternoon as my quiet time because I was nursing infants and changing 10,000 diapers a day, you know? But I needed that quiet time for my sanity. I'm an introvert. I'm a highly sensitive person. I get overstimulated easily. Um, I needed that as like a buffer between the very busy morning and afternoon before you have to start back up again for the evening grind, which all of these moms listening know exactly what I'm talking about. So that was like my sacred hour from like 1.30 to 2.30. Um, and it was good for my kids. It was good for them to have to entertain themselves without a screen. You know, um, it didn't hurt them. It helped them. Um, now that they're older kids, um, they're just more content uh, than most of their peers, I have to say. And I think it's because I instituted that quiet time. And so that, that was time that I would journal, read my Bible. Sometimes I'd take a nap. Let's just be honest. You know, I needed that too. But um, yeah, I just shifted it during that season um, to afternoon and it was fine. And I am so glad I, I did. I'm so glad I didn't say, well, I'll just wait until they're in school to start doing this. Because I look I look at my journey of emotional healing and it started during those years when they were that young. So I would have missed out on all those things God had to teach me and work in me had I said, no, this can wait until a later time because I'm just so covered up. And let me just say quickly, I did cloth diapers for my kids. So if I can work this out with breastfeeding and cloth diapers, anybody can do it if they decide they want to do it. I love that. I love the little advice too. And I think that's good. You, you, the Bible talks about when you rise up, when you're in the way, when you sit down, you're teaching your kids and you have taught them a good solid principle that they learned. You know what? It is not a bad thing to rest. And I think sometimes the world almost gives that, well, if you're resting, you're doing something wrong. You surely there's something that you can be doing, but to take a break from your screen, to take a break from the world and really just have some downtime and, you know, focus on the things that are important. I think that's a great, great principle to really instill in your kids because they're losing that ability. And I love that. And, you know, Mom likes it too. It gives her a little break. It teaches the kids, like you said, you know, to take care of themselves. They, they don't need mommy every second. There is a time, you know, you're going to, you need to just be able to entertain yourself. And I like that principle that you weren't afraid to teach them when they were that little. And I like mm -hmm. that, that idea. I think that was really uh, a good, a good thing for sure. And so I guess here's my final question for you personally, 
what is your favorite thing about meditation? Well, one thing that I started doing in 2017, this is when I quit my outside the home job and I became a full-time writer working from home. I decided to pick a verse of the year and asking God to give me a verse to meditate on all year as kind of the theme of the year. And so I would pray about that for a while and, um, you know, through sermons or podcasts or blog posts I was reading or something, any, you know, my own Bible reading, um, the Lord would impress that upon me and make that clear. Uh, usually it would come from at least three different channels. I'd hear that verse over and over again. And I knew, okay, God's trying to tell me something through this. So I would, I would meditate on that verse every single day, many times a day. I made it into my screensaver for my computer, which I was working at constantly. Um, and so what, what is exciting is now that I've done that for four years, 2017, 18, 19, and 20, I can actually look back and see why God led me to choose that verse for that particular year for that season. I didn't know that necessarily going into, but I can reflect back and say, oh, that's because he wanted me to focus on this. You know, like this year, my verse is Galatians 6, 9. Let us not grow weary in doing good for at the proper time we will reap a season if we do not give up. So he's teaching me about perseverance. So it's amazing how many through quarantine, you know, persevering. Um, I didn't know that when I chose this verse back in December, none of us knew that was coming, you know? So it's exciting. I think my favorite thing is seeing what God does, how creative God is um, when we allow him to speak through his word to us in particular ways. So that can happen in your daily readings. Um, I, I'm just focusing on the verse of the year in this example, but it can happen in your daily readings. So you'll be, it'll, sometimes it'll just jump off the page to you and you'll realize, okay, this problem I've been struggling about for two or three weeks, here's what God wants me to do about it. You know, so it's, it's really exciting to kind of watch what the Holy Spirit's going to do. I love that. I love that. And I think that's, you know, again, you're kind of pointing back to the focus that we are to focus on something. And I think that's great. So here's where we get into the little fun zone, because I know reading from Sarah's Instagram at some point, she said, you know, reading 100 books and I about fell off my chair because I love to read. I do. But I was struggling to hit the 20 books per year mark. Um, so I'm just curious, what kind of led you to decide you wanted to read that many in a year and how do you kind of carve out the time? Obviously I'm going to assume that you're not reading war and peace. Um, I'm, I'm assuming you're <laughs> not going to pick them quite that thick, but I'm just curious about that part. Well, I have always been an avid reader. I started reading at the age of three, uh, really from Sesame street, quite honestly. And, um, I love reading is my favorite activity. My best friend and I, my, fr she's, we've been friends for over 30 years and we agree that if we had to pick one activity, the rest of our lives to do, it would be reading like without question. So I love reading. Um, I'm a really fast reader. I read about 70 pages an hour. So, um, that helps. And, um, 
I really prefer reading to watching TV. Um, if I'm going to watch TV, I'd prefer to watch a movie, quite honestly, than a TV show, just because I think movies engage a storyline probably better than the average TV show. Um, so, you know, I, I'm not saying I don't like to watch TV, but I'd much prefer reading to that. And then I also read, like, not everybody can do this, but I can put my Kindle on my... Um, treadmill and read while I'm walking. Um, reading is just my downtime. It's, it's just something that I do because it brings me such pleasure. And I, I was a gifted student um, in school. And so I just have this voracious appetite for learning. And I think that books um, meet that for me. And so a few years ago, I, somebody told me about Goodreads, goodreads.com, and that's kind of like the like treasure trove for people who love to read. And um, what Goodreads does is it allows you to set up a yearly reading challenge, like it tracks your books for you as you leave reviews or you update your progress, whatever. And so I just challenged myself that first year when I did this to do a hundred books and I met it. And so I've met it every year since then. So and I most, I, I will tell you just so people are like, whatever, you know, most of the books, like 90 out of a hundred of those books are going to be Christian nonfiction because it's not that I don't like fiction, but I am such a book nerd that if I get into a good fiction book that I love, I will stay up like overnight and read it. Like I become consumed by it. So I can only really do that like on Christmas vacation or like when I have time off, you know, or maybe like a Sunday afternoon, like as part of my Sabbath rest, I'll read a whole novel, like literally in one sitting. And my kids are like, mom, you going to make dinner? I'm like, yeah. In two more chapters, you know, like, I'm so, so I have to really limit my exposure to fiction because it overtakes my life. And that is true. Um, I, I've met, I'm not as, I mean, I'm an avid reader. I enjoy it, but I'm, I'm not quite to that point yet. I may get to it at some point, um, but I have met other people like that. And reading is good. It engages the mind and engages the creative side, your retain, your processing and let me just say, I agree with Sarah on that. Goodreads, I, it's almost like Facebook for readers because you've mm -hmm. got your friends on there. They can comment. They can like your review. And it's a great way for you to find out, hey, you're, my friend's reading that book and they can recommend it. So it's a really great tool. Now, I will say I found from somebody else who has thousands of books in their library, they uh, shared on social media an app called Library Thing. I had never heard of that. What it is, it's, it's your personal library where you can catalog every book you own. And that way, because some people like me do tend to have a lot of books on their shelf and we're at Goodwill looking for a great deal. And we can't always remember if we bought that one already, but you can pull out your phone with that handy app and just quickly look it up and say, oh, look, it is. I actually have two copies. Um, so it's a yes, great I have several like that. <laughs> <laughs> So I mean, if you're, oh. that's, that is my problem. I can't remember because mm -hmm. it was like, oh, it's a great book. Did I already buy this? It was on my list and I can't remember. So library thing, I will include library both of these thing. in your 
in the show notes, but I'm telling you, library thing was just amazing. I loved that thing. So I recommend that, but books are a good thing. It is, um, it's just really a, a great thing that you engage in. It's, it is not a mindless activity like social media and television. Your mind is kept sharp. And I, I just recommend, I do recommend reading to a lot of people. If you have to have a few pictures in it to help you along, no, absolutely, if you need that for sure. And start off with something thinner, you know, sometimes they're a little bit um, intense. I do prefer um, like inspirational stories. I love reading the real life, you know, these, sometimes these miracles or what God's done in someone's life. Those are always inspiring because I, nine times out of 10, I walk away with some kind of amazing nugget and reminder of just how good God is. And really, I needed that in my own life. You reminded of that. So I, I love that. Um, now, how can people connect with you? Because um, I know you've written several books. How can they, how, what's the best way to connect with you? Well, sarahgeringer.com is my home base. Um, I do write uh, regularly on my blog. I uh, send newsletter out on Tuesdays. I call it Tea on Tuesdays. Uh, to my followers, and I'm on all the social media channels, um, and I recently started a podcast, too, for adult children of divorce. I literally just dropped this week, so um, yeah, you can just go to my website at sarahgeringer.com, and then pick your favorite social media channel and follow me there. Great. Well, we will, we will definitely include those um, links in the show notes. And, you know, if you do reach out to Sarah by email and you've heard about her through this podcast, maybe just drop her a line and say, hey, I heard you on Sarah's podcast because Sarah would really like to appreciate to know, hey, somebody was actually listening. <laughs> so, <laughs> sure. But yeah. uh, I want to thank you for this because this has been very rich. You know, it's just been so much food for the soul. And I hope, you know, that if you listen to this podcast, you know, listen to it again, if you need to be reminded, because this is, this is the secret to success. Honestly, I heard a pastor talk about that. He says, that is your one, if you want to know the successful key to life, it is meditate on God's word. You will find that over and over again, that you meditate day and night. It is essential to your life. So um, I just encourage you guys to listen to this again, take notes. I took notes and I'll probably take more as I have, because I'm actually the one that edits this. So I get to go through it all again, listen to it again and get enriched. So thank you so much, Sarah, for just coming on here and taking the time and just uh, investing in us. I am just so grateful. And yes, please reach out to me with any feedback or even prayer requests that you have. I welcome, I love hearing from uh, my listeners and readers. So thank you so much for having me today. What did you think? Did you learn a few things? I know I did. Sarah's insights and lessons blessed my heart so much and challenged me in so many ways. Meditation is not about crossing your legs and going, um... It's about focusing on something and allowing it to sink into your very heart. And you can only do that when you think about it over and over again. That is what Sarah is saying. And I loved how she said, you can only know God's commands when you muse over them and let them sink into your heart. You will better be able to obey when you have meditated and familiarized yourself with them. I heard a wonderful message by an evangelist on the topic of meditation, and he said it was the key to a successful life. He used cows as his illustration about how to meditate. He said that a cow will gather grass, then it sits and it chews on it all day long, over and over again, gaining every ounce of nutrients out of it. 
Should that not be what we do with God's word to sit and chew on it until we can gain all we can? We can only know God truly when we still our hearts before him and let him speak into our hearts to pour himself into our cups. Can I encourage you to apply the truth Sarah has shared with us today? I know that that is my desire as well. I also want to mention that Sarah wrote an article on Christian meditation for the fall 2020 issue of the Sit Still My Daughter magazine. It's available for purchase on my website. There is a limited amount of print magazines available, but digital is also an option. So I invite you to go and grab your own copy. If you want to reach out to Sarah with questions or tell her what a blessing it was to you, simply visit her website, www.sarahgeringer.com or connect with her via social media. She can be found on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, YouTube, LinkedIn, and Goodreads. I hope you all have a great day. And when you begin to feel overwhelmed, just look up and remember that our Heavenly Father is watching over us and surrounds us with his love. Thank you.